Welcome to the Veterans for Peace Radio Hour and Podcast on Radio Free Nashville 107.1 and 103.7 and streaming live at RadioFreeNashville.org. Dear President Biden, we, members of Veterans for Peace, who are concerned about the growing possibility of nuclear war, have researched and written our own nuclear posture review with the goal of reducing the risk of nuclear war and ultimately eliminating all nuclear weapons. Because your own nuclear posture review has not yet been released, we strongly encourage you to put it on hold while you review the nuclear posture review of Veterans for Peace. That was Jerry Condon of Veterans for Peace reading a small portion of the Veterans for Peace open letter demanding that the president review our nuclear posture review before he issues his own. And you will hear the whole letter and Jerry's commentary. But first, my name is Jim Walgermuth and I'm here with fellow Vietnam veteran Harvey Bennett. We're members of Veterans for Peace. Veterans for Peace is an international organization of military veterans and allies whose collective efforts are to build a culture of peace, humanity, equality, and justice. Just go to veteransforpeace.org. This radio show and podcast is on stations across the country, thanks to the Pacifica Radio Network, also on SoundCloud, Anchor Podcast, Spotify, and your phone podcast app. Just search Veterans for Peace. Okay, while the mainstream media, YouTube, Twitter, and other platforms are censoring the voices of activism and dissent, we will continue to share those voices who stand up against the establishment, who stand up against the military, industrial, congressional, media, corporate complex, who stand up for us, the global us. And so today we have Jerry Condon, former president of Veterans for Peace and current leader of the No Nukes Group. He returns to the show because we are making demands of President Biden. So on with the show. So thanks, Jerry, for coming back on the show. Uh, VFP just sent an open letter to Biden demanding that he review the Veterans for Peace nuclear posture review before he issues his own. Now, I know the president of Veterans for Peace, Susan Schnall, signed the letter, but it came out of the No Nukes Working Group. And whether you want to know or not, you're the leader of that group. (laughs) And so can you tell us about the letter and, um, and, 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 and read as much as you can of it to, for our audience to know exactly yeah, what's in it? Sure. And we actually were very concerned from the very beginning about uh, the nuclear posture review that was going to be coming from President Biden. We actually thought this was going to be issued in as early as January of 2021. I believe. And uh, um, so, uh, but that kind of dragged on and there were hints that it wasn't going to come at all or it was going to be dragged out. And we got inspired to to do the research and writing and come up with our own nuclear post review. What would a nuclear post review look like that was um, about um, compliance with the um, NPT, the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty, um, and that called for um, the ratification, signing and ratifying the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons. <clears throat> what would a nuclear posture review look like that that um, called for the United States to declare a no first use policy and a, to take uh, nuclear weapons off hair trigger alert or launch on warning? Um, uh, to prevent the possibility of an accidental nuclear war. Um, so anyway, we dived in and we looked at uh, 
the U.S. nuclear posture towards all the other uh, nuclear uh, powers. There's nine of them, uh, including the, the initial five countries um, that had uh, nuclear weapons uh, prior to 1963 or seven. Uh, and they were the official nuclear armed states that signed the nuclear um, um, non-proliferation treaty. And, uh, and then there, there's, since then there have been four other countries that have become uh, nuclear powers. Um, so the, the original ones are the US, UK, um, Russia, China, and France. And since then we know that uh, India and Pakistan and um, uh, North Korea and Israel have all uh, acquired the, the ability to make nuclear weapons. So anyway, we looked at the, the US nuclear posture review towards all those nations and learned a lot in the process and came up with some very common sense suggestions, many of which are, have been proposed by uh, nuclear disarmament ex experts for years and put together a very impressive uh, nuclear posture review of our own. And so uh, we're still waiting for President Biden to issue his nuclear posture review. And so um, we decided recently, uh, well, let's send uh, Biden a letter and make sure that uh, since he's a little slow issuing his own, ask him to read the Veterans for Peace nuclear posture review and um, uh, be before issuing his own. And maybe he would learn something. Maybe he would decide to incorporate uh, some of uh, our points uh, that are all geared towards um, abolish, ultimately abolishing nuclear weapons and in the meantime, reducing the risk of nuclear war. So we, we, we sent that letter to Biden a couple of weeks back. We haven't heard anything from him yet. Uh, we're not necessarily expecting to. We also uh, sent an open letter, offered it to the New York Times. We haven't heard back from them either, but uh, uh, several uh, um, alternative news sites including Popular Resistance and Antiwar.com have, have, did publish the letter. And we're still uh, in the process of uh, spreading the word. Um, and, um, you know, we're particularly concerned, as the letter says, um, the war in Ukraine with its relentless escalation toward a possible nuclear confrontation is of great concern to the American public, including those in uniform and veterans We've experienced the chaos and trauma of war. Um, so uh, we're eager to see uh, your nuclear posture review, Mr. President, and we deserve a full accounting of your nuclear planning. We wanna know what you and your advisors consider reasonable during this time of confrontation between the US and Russia, which hold between them the lion's share of the world's 15,000 nuclear weapons. So that's, uh, a, a part of an important part of our letter. And a lot of people are talking about the fact that President Putin of Russia has uh, uh, implied or seemed to be threatening the possibility of, of the use of nuclear weapons uh, if uh, Russia feels uh, threatened, uh, if they feel an existential threat. Um, and you know whether what, what, what exactly they would consider an existential threat, um, it's not clear. Uh, it, it seems like they felt an existential threat already, and that's a large part of the reason that they invaded Ukraine, because they were being pressed 
uh, on their very borders by the US and NATO. Um, and now the US is pushing for Ukraine uh, to become a member of NATO. Already got US um, military equipment and, and advisors in Ukraine. Uh, Russia begged and pleaded for over a decade for this not to happen and made various threats that uh, and the Biden administration decided to call their bluff, I guess, or there's a lot of indications that they even wanted this war. At any rate, not to get too much into Ukraine, but except to say that um, it's this is definitely increasing the risk of nuclear war. And it's not just Putin that's threatening to use nukes because the very um, existence and deployment of nuclear weapons are a threat to use nuclear weapons. And the US actually has 150 uh, nuclear bombs stored in five European countries. Interestingly, uh, Nobel Peace Laureate Oscar Arias, uh, former president of Costa Rica, has called on the US, suggested that they offer to remove all, all of their nuclear weapons from Europe uh, as part of a, a peace deal uh, over Ukraine. And uh, so that's an interesting new wrinkle, but I think that the, uh, the presence of nuclear weapons in Europe, as well as the nuclear standoff between US and Russia overall, is a large part of the reason there is a war in Ukraine. And um, so I think Oscar Arias might be onto something, um, part of untangling that war um, and negotiating a peaceful resolution that will be a long lasting peace in Europe uh, may well involve withdrawing uh, nuclear weapons from Europe. And in fact, um, that's one of the um, key points in the uh, uh, Veterans for Peace Nuclear Posture Review. Uh, we call for, uh, we have like about 16 um, ma major points that we, suggestions that we make, and they include um, working with our allies to remove US nuclear weapons stationed in the NATO countries of Germany, Italy, the Netherlands, Belgium, and Turkey. Uh, they also include announcing a no first use and no launch on warning uh, policy by separating warheads from delivery vehicles. Um, and they include sign, sign and ratify the UN treaty on the prohibition of nuclear weapons. Would you mind reading the letter? Open letter to President Biden from Veterans for Peace. Please read our nuclear posture review before releasing yours. Dear President Biden, we members of Veterans for Peace who are concerned about the growing possibility of nuclear war have researched and written our own nuclear posture review with the goal of reducing the risk of nuclear war and ultimately eliminating all nuclear weapons. Because your own nuclear posture review has not yet been released, we strongly encourage you to put it on hold while you review the nuclear posture review of Veterans for Peace. The war in Ukraine with its relentless escalation toward a possible nuclear confrontation is of great concern to the American public, including those in uniform and veterans who have experienced the chaos and trauma of war. So we are all eager to see your nuclear posture review, Mr. President. We deserve a full accounting of your nuclear planning. We wanna know what you and your advisors consider reasonable during this time of confrontation between the US and Russia. 
which between them hold the lion's share of the world's 15,000 nuclear weapons. We need to know if you will be keeping nuclear weapons on hair trigger alert. Will you forswear the first use of nuclear weapons? We need to know if you will join the anti-ballistic, rejoin the anti-ballistic missile treaty, ABM treaty, unilaterally abandoned by President George W. Bush and the Intermediate Nuclear Forces, INF treaty, unilaterally abandoned by President Donald Trump. Will you contribute to an era of peaceful relations or will you pursue antagonistic policies towards China and Russia? Will you continue investing billions of dollars on new nuclear weapons? Are you willing to risk a new civilization ending apocalypse by playing nuclear chicken with other nuclear armed nations? Or will you lead us toward a planet that is free of nuclear weapons? We urge you to acknowledge and sign the treaty on the prohibition of nuclear weapons. The Veterans for Peace Nuclear Posture Review is attached to this letter, the product of many months of research and writing. Our Nuclear Posture Review is a blueprint for a world of peace and cooperation, a world that uses its precious resources for global uplift rather than mutual annihilation. These are not pie in the sky ideas, but rather well-developed proposals from nuclear disarmament experts. It is our deep hope that you will take our approach to heart for the benefit of our country and of all humanity worldwide. We request that you issue a statement that your nuclear posture review is on hold while you review the nuclear posture review developed by concerned US veterans. We look forward to seeing your own nuclear posture review before long, Mr. President. It is important that all humanity will be able to see is the president of the United States working to reduce the risk of nuclear war or is US nuclear policy being dictated by those who profit from war? We deserve an answer. That's, by very, that's really powerful. Right. So I, yeah, I think it's important that we continue uh, uh, to uh, push that letter out there, make sure that more, more and more people see that because we really are calling, uh, as veterans, calling for uh, a mass mobilization uh, to urgently um, act to prevent uh, the, the growing possibility of a nuclear war. Now, if you want to read the open letter to President Biden from Veterans for Peace, you can go to popularresistance.org and search Veterans for Peace, and it'll be right there. Uh, you can also, if you want a copy uh, of the open letter or the Veterans for Peace Nuclear Posture Review, you can just send me a text at 703-403-6135. Include your email and I'll send it right out to you. So just request the uh, Nuclear Posture Review and our open letter to President Biden. Uh at 703-403-6135, and I'd be happy to send you those uh, copies. You know, people are somewhat lulled into thinking that a nuclear war will never happen because so far nuclear deterrence has worked. Um, but uh, actually we know that there's been many instances where we came very close to nuclear war um, by accident and otherwise. And uh, it's a virtually miracle or certainly incredibly great luck. 
and uh, the intervention of some wise human beings of disobeying orders at the right moment uh, that spared us from nuclear war. Mm -hmm. uh, now we have nuclear proliferation. We have nuclear armed countries facing one another down, making nuclear threats. Um, the use of, um, of nuclear weapons uh, is being made more thinkable by the production of smaller, supposedly more usable nuclear weapons. Um, I think that there's a very good chance that we could see a nuclear war. Um, and I actually think the current um, standoff, uh, US and NATO against Russia and Ukraine um, is uh, almost uh, too good a scenario for the, the, the unthinkable to happen. Um, so between the, the, the growing danger of nuclear war and the, the growing uh, catastrophe of, of uh, global warming climate change, we have two big existential threats staring us right in the face that threaten to make a hell on earth. And uh, so it's really important that uh, people take this seriously. Now, of course, the there is more talk about the possibility of nuclear war than there has been in a long time. And I think a lot of people are waking up and, and very yeah. concerned. When the UN Secretary General didn't mince words. <laughs> he said That's that right. We are but one miscalculation away from nuclear annihilation. That's right. He That's how, what he said when he opened up the... Uh, the five-year yeah. five uh, review of the NPT last week. And, I don't know how much then, coverage that got on cable or uh, in the Times or Post or whatever, but I, I just saw a lot uh, on the places where I look. <laughs> but, yeah. Yes. If you, if you know of any, uh, how much media uh, coverage that got. Good question. I I I, think, I believe I've seen it on some of the mainstream cable media. Although he's I don't repeated, spend a lot of time he's repeated it too since then. He's repeated it several times. Uh, I think he said, um, "Being lucky is not a policy." Not a policy. <laughs> Being lucky is not a strategy. Yeah. Strategy. Right. That that's it. Yeah. So, but the, not a strategy. The the NPT. Uh, that's the Non-Proliferation Treaty. And uh, what what could what could actually come out of this that would be helpful? Because we've got these nine nuclear nations already, uh, and we've got enough already to uh, to destroy the world over and over and over. Even if India and Pakistan uh, decide they're going to have a nuclear exchange, we'll all suffer under um, a nuclear winter and radiation. So um, is what is there anything positive, Jerry, that you see coming out of the and the NPT review? Well, I just think that the fact that it's focusing people on its attention, I mean, it's interesting. We have this convergence now of the Hiroshima Nagasaki uh, commemorations where as John Pilger and others say, the, the worst uh, war crimes ever committed when the US dropped uh, uh, two nuclear bombs on the populations of uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, civilian populations, 
killing as many as 200,000 people, um, even though it's well documented now that Japan was on the verge of, of, of surrendering mm -hmm. already. So uh, that was a, a huge, huge crime and something we don't want to ever see happen again. Um, so that and the, and, and the Ukraine war raising the specter of nuclear war and the NPT conference coming together. Now the, the, uh, the nuclear uh, uh, non-proliferation treaty was actually negotiated back in 1968 um, by 18 nations and, and went into effect in 1970. And among other things, it calls for the nuclear armed nations to negotiate in good faith uh, to reduce and eventually eliminate all nuclear weapons. Well, none of the five nuclear armed states have complied with that. They're all expanding their nuclear weapons. They're all developing new nuclear weapons. Um, so some of the, uh, the deal with the non-nuclear states was that you don't, if you don't develop nuclear weapons of your own, we promise to get rid of ours. So a lot of the non-nuclear states are feeling that they they have been uh, betrayed, and this is not working at all. Um, so somehow this treaty goes on and on, but it's 191 countries are part party to. It's not really being enforced. A large uh, part of the reason, maybe the main reason, why uh, I can the international campaign against nuclear weapons and. And, and a number of, uh, of nations around the world uh, initiated the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons, which is uh, nations from developing, testing, producing, manufacturing, transferring, possessing, stockpiling, using or threatening to use nuclear weapons or allowing nuclear weapons to be stationed on their territory. It also prohibits them from assisting, encouraging or inducing anyone to engage in these activities. And it's uh, legally binding on all the parties who sign. And it has in, in time bound measures, actually uh, a nation that possesses nuclear weapons can, can join the treaty as long as they agree to um, legally binding time bound, time bound plan to get rid of their nuclear weapons. Um, nations uh, um, who are are also obliged to provide assistance to all the victims of the use and testing of nuclear weapons. So it's a very comprehensive uh, treaty that's been uh, embraced by a growing number of nations around the world. Of course, it went into effect uh, in January of 2021, I believe. And, uh, and uh, it's a very um, important development, but so far it's been ignored by the U.S. Mm -hmm. and the other nuclear armed nations. In fact, uh, the U.S. actually led a boycott of the negotiations, mm -hmm. and did their best to undermine it. Mm -hmm. Now, now I don't think uh, President Biden has ever even acknowledged this, the existence of this treaty, which is why our, our le open letter to Biden actually calls, us him, calls on him to acknowledge as well as to sign the treaty on the prohibition of nuclear weapons. So there's so much common sense in what you just read uh, and referencing our nuclear posture view. 
repre uh, representing the, the band treaty. There's so much common sense there. What is, what is wrong with the United States? What is wrong with the nuclear powers? Uh, well, let's just concentrate, in your opinion, on what's the stumbling block from the United States actually doing what makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah, um, that's addressed in the conclusion of the Veterans for Peace Nuclear Posture Review, um, which says, and I'll, I'll read this the first paragraph, um, the world is a much more dangerous place with nuclear weapons, particularly given the current confrontation among nuclear armed nations. The United States military seeks full spectrum dominance and the government appears determined to be the preeminent global power, even in the face of diminishing economic power relative to a rising China. So it's hard to imagine the US taking serious steps towards nuclear disarmament without a sea change in the thinking among its political elites and real change in its posture towards the rest of the world. Activist efforts to restrain US military intervention around the globe to cut the military budget and to encourage mutual respect and diplomacy among nations must therefore go hand in hand with efforts to reduce and eliminate all nuclear weapons. So I think, you know, basically uh, what we're saying there is that as, as long as the, uh, the US maintains a, a, an aggressive um, posture, and it's not that the other countries to let the other nuclear armed nations off the hook by any means um, because they're they're all they're all uh, responsible uh, for their for maintaining and developing these nuclear weapons but the us has a very particular role in the world now it's the largest uh, most powerful military of all time it's a worldwide empire it maintains approximately 850 foreign military bases in many countries all over the world. Um, it uh, seems to be um, very threatened right now by the economic success of China and China rising as a, as a, uh, a peer uh, to the United States um, and to the point where it's gonna challenge China's economic success with the military confrontation to try to beat, beat China back down and uh, maintain US superiority. The same thing could be argued about the war in Ukraine, the US posture in Europe. US does not like um, any strong men, um, any strong countries in any region of the world that can challenge um, the US dominance in that region is considered to be an enemy um, and that certainly includes Putin and Russia. Um, so Russia has uh, been calling for over a decade for a new security arrangement in Europe that would respect uh, sovereignty as well as the, the legitimate security concerns of all parties. The US has refused to do that and instead uh, has gradually encroached closer and closer to Russia's border by incorporating more and more countries into NATO, by uh, placing uh, anti-ballistic missile systems on Russia's very borders in Romania and Poland. And uh, so um, 
not to justify by any means Russia's um, invasion of of uh, Ukraine, which is illegal, immoral, and war is not the answer. We as veterans know that. Uh, but at least we can understand that Russia was definitely feeling threatened by the actions of the U.S. and NATO and by their persistent uh, uh, encroachment and encirclement of Russia, their refusal uh, to, uh, in fact, in the, uh, in the Veterans uh, for Peace Nuclear Cost Review, we, uh, we look at the, uh, the uh, nuclear cost review towards Russia and we see, um, well, there's been some progress. The world has gone from 70,000 nuclear warheads during the height of the Cold War to the 14,000 on the planet today. So we do know how to reduce the arsenals by disabling the bombs under strict inspection and verification processes long established. That's the good news. However, the US has missed numerous opportunities to cooperate with Russia over the years, starting at the end of World War II, when President Truman rejected pleas to turn the bomb over to the United Nations under international supervision. Subsequent US actions have, that either missed opportunities to reduce risk or actually increased risk of nuclear confrontation with Russia include the following examples. President Reagan rejected President Gorbachev's offer to give up the deployment of a Star Wars missile defense system in space as a condition for both countries to eliminate all nuclear weapons. President Clinton refused President Putin's offer to cut our massive nuclear arsenals to 1,500 bombs each and to call on the other nuclear armed states to negotiate the elimination of nuclear weapons in exchange for the US not placing missile sites in Romania. President George W. Bush walked out of the 1972 Anti-Ballistic Missile Treaty and put a missile base in Romania. President Trump placed another missile base in Poland. Um, President Bush in 2008 and President Obama in 2014 blocked any discussion of Russian and Chinese proposals for a space weapons ban in the consensus-bound UN Committee for Disarmament in Geneva. President Obama rejected President Putin's offer to negotiate a treaty to ban cyber war. President Trump pulled the U.S. out of the Intermediate Range Nuclear Forces Treaty and from President Clinton through President Biden, the U.S. has never ratified the 1992 Comprehensive Test Ban Treaty, which Russia has ratified. So you can see there's a pretty, pretty strong pattern there of the U.S. Uh, rejecting Russian proposals for de-escalation and, uh, and trying to maintain and, and achieve uh, nuclear superiority uh, over Russia. And um, I think that, uh, that pattern, once again, underlies very much the confrontation between US and, the US and Russia today. Mm -hmm. That's quite a litany that you just repeated there on all the uh, actions of the US. And even on the other side of the coin, uh, every uh, acceleration of nuclear weaponry uh, has started with the US and Russia and other countries' responses to catch up with the US. That's been a consistent pattern all along. So uh, there's no question who's 
<clears throat> where the where the primary responsibility lay to well you know at uh, uh, a lot of people get tired of uh, uh, they don't want to hear us bashing our own government and think and and giving all the other countries a pass I don't think we should give anybody a pass uh, there's, there's a lot of uh, a lot of players here that need but who better than Russia and the U.S. who hold the lion's share 90 percent of nuclear right. weapons if they don't take the initiative and start de-escalating, then who else is going to bother to do so? Right. And in fact, uh, there's a possibility of, of even additional countries deciding, that, well, they need nuclear weapons too um, and trying to get them. Uh, so I think we can anticipate more. So this war in, in Ukraine is a total disaster for the, especially of course for the Ukrainian people, but for the whole world uh, because it's setting back uh, any possibilities for uh, peace and detente and uh, and uh, nuclear disarmament, uh, decades perhaps. Uh, that I was I was in, in Europe recently. I was able to meet with a number of peace and anti-NATO and anti-nuclear activists, and they were all depressed as hell because they said, uh, you know, this has set our work back a decade or more, and. Uh, making the, the world a ever more dangerous place. So that, you know, we, we really need to press the Biden administration to step back from this war, uh, to de-escalate um, instead of what they're doing now, which is pouring more and more weapons into it and talking openly about uh, total defeat of, of uh, Russia and the weakening of Russia, breaking Russia's back. Um, it's almost like the, U.S. and NATO, instead of uh, being appalled by this war and working, doing everything they can to, to end it, are, are almost gleeful about it. Like they've got Russia trapped now in another Afghanistan. Uh, this is going to be their, their demise uh, if we just keep pouring more and more weapons in there. So that's, that's what the attitude is now. It's a long ways from what we're talking about. Um, uh, mutual respect and... Uh, and uh, respect for sovereignty of all nations and the total elimination of nuclear weapons, which actually do have the very real potential to end um, all life on earth, much less human civilization. You were talking about uh, how NATO and the US uh, provoked because whenever you talk, whenever you listen to the mainstream media, you hear unprovoked attack by Putin. And right. and of course, that means that they're not paying attention to history. Uh, <laughs> but with all of that, I've got three words for you that I want you to consider. First word is Nancy. Second <laughs> word is Pelosi. <laughs> and the third word is Taiwan. Well, that's really interesting. That word unprovoked has been somebody Googled, I think uh, Glenn Greenwald. <laughs> Googled the word unprovoked in Ukraine, I guess, and he found like over a million hits. And the, the word unprovoked is like de rigueur. It has to be included in every mainstream article. <laughs> why Why are they, and, he, and Glenn Greenwald made the point, why do they say unprovoked over and over and over again? Well, it's obvious because it was provoked. <laughs> but, but, but I think provoked is uh, actually... Uh, too gentle a word because it, you know provoking sounds like 
you know, you could you could provoke somebody to to uh, say a bad word or something. Um, uh, you can be provocative. It's it's more than just provoking. It's like disrespecting. It's like in in the case of China. First of all, nobody's nobody's been able to make a a good case for why why Nancy Pelosi insisted on going to Taiwan and didn't do anybody any favors. It just created a, but but it but it is emblematic. So it's appropriate for you to raise it, Jim. It's emblematic of the U.S. posture towards both Russia and China. It's like, we're gonna poke you in the eye. We don't care how much you're concerned about this. We don't care how much you say this is a threat to your sovereignty. You don't care how much you say this might cause a military response. We're gonna do it anyway because we're the United fucking States of America. And so take it. As a matter of fact, we hope you do respond militarily because we wanna kick your ass. So that's the posture. <laughs> Well, you got me going there. That's the posture <laughs> of, of, of the United States. It's it's rude, it's inconsiderate, and it's arrogant, and it's it's threatening uh, nuclear war. Yeah. Yes, I mean, and now, you know, I, I don't know if you read the, the Times, but uh, the online version, they have a section uh, that is a regular part of it uh, about Iraq, about the <laughs> Ukrainian war. And they just say, uh, for the history and their causes of the war, click here. <laughs> and I click, you know, nothing about the coup, <laughs> you know, the overthrow of the, uh, the elected president, nothing about the uh, attacks on uh, the, uh, eastern Ukraine and the artillery barrages and the, oh. uh, nothing uh, about that. That had nothing to do with it. <laughs> it's all ahistorical. A Right. Uh, yeah. don't, uh, it's all about the evil dictator Putin. Yeah. Um, right. Just doing this for his own ego. Yeah. Um, and, and seizing so, Crimea out of out of the blue, right? right. <laughs> anyway, that terrible war continues and, and threatens us all. And yeah. so, I uh, the anti-war movement unfortunately has been pretty weak in its response. I think there's people have been a bit disoriented also kind of thrown off track by just the massive propaganda mm -hmm. blitz for this war, which is almost, un, I think it is unprecedented. Um, so, and, and of course there's uh, a variety of opinions about who's, who's, who's guilty of what uh, and how much we should blame Russia, how much we should blame the US. Um, and, and all those kind of differences have, uh, I think uh, led to uh, a very tepid um, an uneven response from the U.S. peace movement, which is, uh, you know, trying to get his act together and Veterans for Peace has issued some good, strong statements uh, that are fairly even-handed. Uh, the Peace in Ukraine Coalition, uh, of which Veterans for Peace is part, is planning some actions in, in September, um, call-in days and, and such and so on. Um, and, and hopefully... Uh, the uh, peace movement is going to find its footing and and have a more united and confident response because uh, who else is going to do it? Uh, we're not getting mm -hmm. any uh, any pushback in Congress. Um, even our even some of our liberal heroes in Congress have been terrible. Mm -hmm. uh, not not only voting for billions for Ukraine, mm -hmm. but coming out with some really terrible statements. 
so um, it's up to us. Um, like you said, Harvey, we need a we need a grassroots movement, and we need it now. Um, and uh, so we have to overcome uh, overcome our discouragement and our sense of powerlessness, and uh, and find uh, find our allies. And I think actually in this case, the the peace and anti-intervention movement in the U.S. can make a strong alliance with the 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 nuclear disarmament movement, that, which have been somewhat separate uh, to a certain extent over the years. Mm -hmm. um, so I think linking up the concerns about nuclear weapons with the, uh, the concerns about this war and the overall US foreign policy um, uh, are the, is basically the, the right direction for us to be, to be headed. So I really appreciate all the work that you guys are doing to bring people's attention to this. You're, re you're reaching a lot of people with this show and um, you're giving voice to, to a, lot of, uh, a lot of people who need to be heard. Well, it seems from, from surveys uh, of the public that uh, the American people uh, to a significant degree are very concerned about the possibility of nuclear war. Uh, but you don't see that reflected anywhere uh, in the way the media covers these stories. So. Right. Well, there is a growing concern because of the war in Ukraine, and people say there's more people thinking about it, that possibility, than, than since 1962 with the Cuban Missile Crisis. Mm -hmm. So that's the only, just about the only uh, um, silver lining to this whole nasty mm -hmm. scenario is that it could be a wake-up call for people uh, if we can really uh, mobilize that sentiment and use this as a teachable moment and a moment to, to mobilize more pressure. We need a lot more leadership coming from our political leaders in, in the anti-war movement, as well as our, our political leaders in Congress. You don't see a whole lot of that right now. Uh, as a matter of fact, they've all climbed on board. Um, um, Looks Not like what we need is a grassroots movement. I think that's something like uh, maybe we could talk about the golden rule a little bit in terms of raising the consciousness of people around the country. Well, we do have a very special project in Veterans for Peace, the, 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 uh, the golden rule anti-nuclear sailboat, uh, which is one, of, one way that we can reach a lot of people that otherwise wouldn't be reached. Um, and uh, I think we've probably talked about it that on this show before, yeah. um, but it's a historic uh, anti-nuclear sailboat in 1958, uh, four Quaker peace activists led by a World War, retired World War II Navy commander attempted to sail this boat to the Marshall Islands to interfere with uh, US nuclear testing. And they, were, they publicized their intentions. They were stopped in, uh, in Hawaii and uh, um, held up by the Coast Guard, arrested, thrown in jail. But they brought a lot of attention to the, the problem of all the radiation that was floating around the globe, getting into mother's milk. And uh, they actually uh, helped to build support for the uh, uh, partial nuclear test ban treaty signed by President Kennedy in 1963, along with the UK and the USSR. Um, and that banned uh, nuclear testing in the atmosphere, um, in, in space, and in water, 
but allowed it to continue underground. And that's why they call it partial test ban treaty. Mm-hmm. Now, most of the nuclear testing is done by computer simulations, interestingly. But there's still some underground tests going on, I think, in North Korea. Um, so uh, at any rate, this boat uh, uh, became famous at the time, but then was sold into private hands and, uh, and kind of disappeared from um, the public eye. It was, uh, it's a 34 foot, foot uh, uh, wooden catch. And uh, it, uh, you know, sailed in the Caribbean, it sailed in the South Pacific. Um, and then uh, in 2010, it was found uh, a derelict boat in Humboldt Bay in Northern California uh, that had just sank in a storm and a huge hole in the side. And um, people dragged it up out of the water and the shore were actually thinking about making a bonfire with it when uh, Veterans for Peace up in Humboldt Bay area um, found out about it and found out about its legacy and decided to, uh, to make an effort to restore it. So the next five years of volunteer effort put that boat back together into a beautiful boat and uh, launched it in back into the water in June of 2015 um, and also restored its mission of sailing for a nuclear free world and a peaceful, sustainable future. And that's been sailing for the last seven years up and down the West Coast from British Columbia, uh, Washington, Oregon, California, uh, Baja, Mexico, and even over to uh, Hawaii. We sailed it across the Pacific to Hawaii, actually intending to go to the Marshall Islands and to Guam and Okinawa and Japan. But that was uh, before COVID hit and made it impossible for us to travel to those those countries. Well, we spent almost two years in Hawaii, visited all the different Hawaiian islands and uh, made a lot of friends there, learned a lot about how indigenous cultures throughout the Pacific, including in Hawaii, are negatively impacted by all the US military bases and, and, and war preparations. So um, we sailed that boat back uh, from Hawaii across the Pacific, which is no small deal, um, um, to uh, California in May. And we're now getting ready to sail it throughout the United States uh, with this message of nuclear disarmament. And um, we're gonna begin, we're, it's, it's in San Francisco Bay right now, but we're gonna begin in, in Minneapolis of all places. Uh, we're, we're getting ready to put that boat on a truck. It's a big project. We're taking the masts off the boat and kind of disassembling parts of it and getting it ready to travel on a specialized trailer. Uh, and, um, we're going to deliver it to uh, Minnesota in um, the first days of September, and we're going to have a whole bunch of events um, in the Minnesota, uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, but also other Minnesota towns uh, for uh, uh, several weeks. And then we're going to be sailing it down the Mississippi, along throughout the along the Gulf of Mexico, around um, Florida, up the. Um, intercoastal waterways up the East Coast to the great cities of the Northeast, um, all the way up to our founding chapter of Veterans for Peace up there in Portland, Maine, and then back down to New York through the 
Hudson, uh, Hudson, Canal, Hudson River, the Erie Canal, it right into the Great Lakes, and then back down again, Milwaukee, Chicago, uh, and other riverways back down to the, the Gulf of Mexico. That's a 15 month project. And uh, my partner, now wife, Helen Jacquard, is the project manager for that. And she's been, uh, well, you guys have been involved with some of that. Um, uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of organizing going on. There's a lot of excitement from VIP chapters and others along the route, getting ready to host the Golden Rule and have all kinds of, uh, uh, of events uh, to raise uh, public awareness of the, of the need uh, to uh, push for nuclear disarmament. So we're, we're excited about that. So would, so Jerry, uh, would you, um, and we're talking to Jerry Condon, uh, Veterans for Peace and the No Nukes Working Group. Uh, would you recommend to people listening and to other people that hear about um, the, the open letter, hear about the Veterans for Peace Nuclear mm -hmm. Posture Review, would you um, recommend that they, that people look for a local peace organization wherever they are or a veterans for peace chapter to become an ally if they're not a veteran or join mm -hmm. veterans for peace or um i i'm yes. I'm, ri I'm writing letters and making phone calls to my representative every week every day in certain circumstances with absolutely no effect um mm -hmm. and so well it, it adds up i've I, I think it's important to continue to conduct our political leaders. Um, so, you know, good on you for, for doing that, even if it seems like it's not good anywhere, but they do count their, they do count the responses they're getting yay and nay. Mm -hmm. So it does make a difference. But uh, I think grassroots mobilization is, is, is even more important. Um, and educational, and a lot of good webinars have been going on, but that's not really in this time of COVID, people are uh, online a lot, but they're not out in the streets, so it's a different moment. Um, the uh, I would recommend that people definitely check out Veterans for Peace. If you're a veteran, we really need you and want you, and there's a place for you um, in Veterans for Peace. And we do have non-veteran members also. About uh, 15 or 20 percent of our members are are non-veterans oftentimes wives and spouses and friends, um, but sometimes just people who um, really believe in lifting up, the importance of lifting up veterans' voices and wanna be part of helping Veterans for Peace, we welcome you. And in fact, we have a, um, a national convention coming up very shortly at the end of this month. And Jim, I'll leave it to you to get those dates correctly, but. I know that Veterans for Peace is making a big push. It's a four-day online uh, conference with many great speakers and workshops. And they're really making a big push to get um, all kinds of people, vet veterans and non-veterans, peace movement, non-peace movement, just regular folks to participate in this uh, convention. Our keynote speaker is gonna be uh, Reverend Barber from the Poor People's Campaign. Uh, it's going to be a lot of good stuff going on there, and that could be a launching uh, pad for uh, some new activism in the fall. The Veterans for Peace Conference is online from August 25th through 28th. Also, I would recommend that people uh, check out Peace in Ukraine, 
ukraine.org, peaceinukraine.org for the Peace in Ukraine Coalition and their upcoming actions. And they have some, some fly, downloadable flyers and things like that. One, one thing that people have been doing is just going out to the local farmer's market and with the flyer and talking to people. Oh, we also have um, uh, a, a great thing happening right now with the Roger Waters uh, concerts. Roger Waters, a uh, famous um, musician with Pink Floyd uh, and a great anti-war activist is, uh, is, has invited uh, Veterans for Peace uh, and, the, and our Peace and Planet News to have a table at his concerts. He's doing concerts all over the country uh, for the last uh, several weeks and into, in, through the end of September, I think. Um, so we're able to, to uh, reach a lot of people that way and have a lot of conversations. So just having conversations with your neighbors and your friends, which is in your family, those are difficult conversations these days because most people have, have bought the mainstream line, hook, hook, line, and sinker, and that's all they get. That's all they mm -hmm. see. So what are they going to believe, right? So you can be kind of an outlier when you say, well, you know what? Uh, I think the U.S. might have actually uh, provoked this war a bit, and we need to, to stop sending weapons. Well, that, you, that can be seen as a, as a traitorous, treasonous, sacrilegious statement uh, in some families. So uh, good luck with those conversations. But I think just having those conversations with your friends and family and neighbors is important or getting out there with a the table at the farmer's market, whatever it takes, however small, uh, you know, uh, uh, those efforts count up and they manage to reach new people who then become activated. And that's what we need. Exactly. I, I mean, and um, Harvey and I did a show last week on, uh, with uh, Ira Helfand, uh, sponsored by the Massachusetts Peace Action, in which he gave some training on how to talk to it may either make a presentation or how to just take it uh, to your neighbors. If people, yeah, I heard, a, I, I did hear a little bit of that. Yeah. And uh, where people people were getting up to make their spiel and they were uh, their anti-nuclear talk, and then they were open them open themselves to some positive feedback and criticism. Yeah. Um, and I could use that training myself. We all could. So I'm going to, I'm going to definitely check it out. Yeah. And, and so you can go to um, all the listener has to do is go to SoundCloud and look for veterans for peace and you can find this show and um, last week's show with Ira health and, and uh, a lot of conversation from Harvey. So, cool. uh, so it was, it was, it was good. So Jerry, Perfect. thanks so much for joining us. Um, we've been on for almost an hour. What would you like to finish up with? Well, um, just, uh, to say, keep the faith. Um, don't get depressed. I found myself and I'm pretty, usually pretty positive, um, person, opt optimist of sorts. I found myself getting depressed a few times recently, and you know this is this stuff's overwhelming. Yeah. Uh, between uh, COVID and the economy and the threat of nuclear war and uh, already people feeling the impacts from uh, global warming, I mean people are feeling I think a little beaten down um, and sometimes discouraged that uh, our movements aren't stronger and and having more of an impact. So uh, 
we just kind of have to to uh, get through that. I mean, some of the European activists I talked to recently said, we're just going to keep our head down and kind of get through this period and, you know, keep on telling our truth. Um, but they realize maybe this isn't the time that they're going to be able to make terrific progress. Um, but we have to hang in there and uh, and do the best we can. And I think, uh, you know, as far as uh, the other thing about the, the movement for nuclear abolition, it does give an opportunity to talk about other issues like we did today, because it ties in. It's kind of a good entry point because um, uh, nobody's really in favor of nuclear weapons and, and war. Um, so uh, it's a good opportunity to uh, talk about what's going on in the world and what needs to change. Uh, it, like I say, it's a teachable moment. So let's, uh, let's take full advantage of it like you guys are. That was Jerry Condon, former president of Veterans for Peace and current leader of the No Nukes Working Group. And we started talking about our open letter to President Biden demanding that he read the Veterans for Peace nuclear posture review, but before he issues his own. Then we expanded. And I wanted to share where you can get more information. First, if you want to see our open letter, it is in popularresistance.org. All you have to do is search Veterans for Peace. And if you want a copy, I will send you a copy. All you have to do is text me at 703-403-6135. Send your email and uh, I will send you a copy of our open letter. Now, you can also get a link to the Veterans for Peace Nuclear Posture Review by doing the same thing. That's again, send me a text, 703-403-6135. Okay. Then you heard Jerry talk about the golden rule and the great loop that is going to be sailing. And if you want more information on where our peace sailboat is going and when it might be visiting close to you, you can go to the website, VFP, golden rule project.org. That is VFP as in veterans for peace, then golden rule project.org. VFPGoldenRuleProject.org. I know they would love a donation to really make this trip happen. So, to finish the show, of course we have to have a song. And we had a debate and a discussion. And we came up with two songs. But we can only play one, so we'll save the other one for next week. And the only reason we're playing this one is because we played Dylan last week. So here is... Bonnie Raitt, Keb Moe, and Jackson Brown singing Stand Up. Listen up, everybody went not gonna take no more. There's a revolution, revelation going on in my soul. Like a love 